You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. Hello and welcome to the next installment of the LCMS Mission Field USA podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Steve Shave, Director of LCMS Church Planting. Today with me is my co-host, as always, the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson, who serves as the manager for LCMS Church Planting. Hello, Mark. Hello, Steve. It's great to be here as always. Yeah, we got a good topic today, talking about technology use and church planting. Today we have a special guest with us, Peter Frank. Uh, Peter serves uh, at Concordia Publishing House as the digital product owner, but he's also a full-time student at Concordia Seminary, so blessings on his studies. Hello, Peter. Hello, Steve and Mark. Thank you so much for having me today. Great to have Peter with us. He's got responsibilities working with Concordia Technology Solutions, and that is the church management software division. So that's what we want to dive in today. He's got a background in not only theology, but also business and technology, and that gives him somewhat of a unique perspective on the use of software in the church. And so we're excited to talk about how does technology intersect with church planting. And I know uh, from my own experience that certainly uh, technology is a great thing when it's used as a tool and it does apply and it is something that will help uh, with the core group to get things started and to manage those information needs that they have. But Peter, how about you start us off talking about what, what do you think in terms of an approach or a philosophy for technology? Well, I think with technology, and just like anything, you have to toe the line on what is too much and too little. And I think especially with the way um, younger generations, I'd include myself with that, I grew up with technology, we have kind of had our brains shaped to look for the, the latest and greatest and have that screen in front of us. And so there's this temptation to spend a lot of time on technology. And you'll see that in all forms of church work, where there's pastors who are constantly blogging, which is a good thing. You get the gospel out. But if it's at the detriment of your ministry, if you're ignoring people by being on the screen too much, that's when it becomes too far on the other side. And so it's, it's, it's definitely this tension. We talk about that a lot in seminary, about these trenches on either side. You want to go right down the middle. There's a good use of technology in the church today because it allows you to get the the gospel out. But too much is is definitely too much. And so as we'll talk about, having technology and seeing it as a tool is the key thing because the tool is not your ministry. The tool is a tool. Sure. Very good. Uh, and as you said, not not every situation is the same, but I think what is good for all of our church planners to know is that it's a great thing to have technology as a tool that helps you to get the word out. Uh, it's a great tool that kind of, even if you're brand new and upstart, you're small, you don't have a lot of resources, really to the world, you can make yourself look like any other larger congregation that's existed for a long time. It gives you kind of that advantage, uh, whether it's getting out your flyers to the uh, local community, whether it's having a nice looking clean website, if it's a Facebook or social media campaign. One of the great things I think about church planning and using technology is certainly that it allows you to look like, you know, this is a professional, you know, 
a good organization and they've got all these things put together well and they have a nice look and feel. Uh, so I do think that that is a great idea that you don't want to have too much or too little. You don't want to do it just for the sake of, you know, the the newest gimmick that's out there. But, you know, what a great thing for even brand new church starts uh, to be able to have a good technology behind them. And i maybe add to that. Uh, I'm sure you're aware, Peter, too, the, um, you can have this great look probably for free I mean, <laughs> in a lot of ways. I oh, mean, yes. you can pay, but also you can have a, a pretty good looking product and you can use those uh, web services like MailChimp or Constant Contact with the free plan. Yep. And you can do a lot of really cool things. Uh, you know, I mean, just even maybe 10, 20 years ago, this getting that same sort of exposure would have been pretty costly, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, but now with, with the tools that are available, yeah, we expect everything on the internet to be free also. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and Peter, is there anything else uh, in terms of technology being unique to church planning that you want to tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. I think with today's culture, everybody uses the internet as their very first destination to learning about anything. And so for a church, and especially a church plant, when you are just starting out, your digital presence is your online front door. And that's where people will find you. Uh, Even people who have been in the church for their entire life, when they go to look for a new church, they're not driving around the city. They're not, you know, just seeing signs out on the street. They are going to Google. They're typing in churches near me. Um, They are trying to find out what is a good fit for them online. And so that's where, like you're saying, you can have plenty of free options to go and create a very good digital presence. I think you want to be careful that you are reflective of who you are. Um, You'll see some churches that will use stock photography uh, that (laughs) doesn't represent them at all. But it gives you a chance to truly represent who you are in that place for the people that you're trying to reach in your community. And with with the way it is now, everything is so hyper-local is is the, the buzzword that they use. But you can really connect with the people right then and there in your community. And so I think that's the appeal, especially for church workers, is to say, all right, this is something that I can do. I can do it free. I don't have to you know, go in and, and fundraise for this, ask for a budget. I can go ahead and get involved and, and put a website up, get my social media presence, share my, my sermons and my Bible studies online and make it look great, mm-hmm. which, like we said, is a fantastic thing. That's just where you toe that line is to make sure that, that you are putting it out there, but that is not your ministry itself. Um, Peter, you mentioned a term which I find kind of fascinating. You, you said the front door. Yeah. So what is the front door for a church? <laughs> it's it's. I think you said digital front door. Digital or, front door. Yeah. Yeah. That is, you know, that's where you make your first impression. You know, I often think about when I go to visit a church, the reception that I get in a narthex, you know, right. the greeters and everybody else. But most people, their first impression of a church comes before they ever step foot on your property, before they park in your parking lot. They are wanting to see what it's like. Are, is it a welcoming church? Is it a church that has things going on? Uh, there's a, a time when we were visiting my family. They just moved into a new area up north, and um, they hadn't found a church home yet. And so my wife and I, we, we went online and looked for a church, and we found the service times, and we showed up, and no one was there. <laughs> Because they hadn't updated their website. It wasn't mm-hmm. the, the new, you know, the summer schedule. And so those are the kind of things that create that first impression. So you get a good website that's it's realistic of your church, that's open, welcoming. You're going to get people who are coming in your door who are prepared to be there, who are excited to be there because you've given, you've welcomed them into your front door before they even got there. 
So is the website's the front door? What what about like social media pages? Or you know, social media is a, a good tool. And I, I listened to your episode with Seth Hens. He's a friend of mine, and I like Seth. Oh, he's got this great philosophy of using social media as the the first step to welcome people in person. It's not the you know that's not the destination, and so it's a good way to find people. With algorithms on social media now, it's it's better to connect with people that are in your community and use them to share that. You're not going to get a lot of outreach of people who are stumbling on your site because Facebook, uh, Instagram, they are directing people to what's interesting to them. But your members, as they share things from your social media, that's a good way to connect. But I still think your front door is your website because that's the place where you can control what people are seeing. You control that presence. Um, It's a destination. People find you through search engines and and end up on your website. So that's what I call the, the digital front door because you get to make that impression. Very good. All right. So we have these technologies as tools in the toolbox yeah. and we do want to have this set up in a professional way so that people are comfortable, they feel welcome, there's good follow-up for people who might be interested in, in joining the congregation. Part of that then in terms of tools that we need uh, are based around just the basic management process. And yeah. I was going to mention, too, in my own scenario with church planning, we are pretty fortunate that um, the congregation had a mother congregation that was very supportive, a strong core group of people. Um, my wife and I actually got to be both church workers. She was a deaconess. I was the pastor. But she was also a CPA. I was also an MBA slash computer engineer. So <laughs> all the technology stuff, you know, we set up the network. We put in the printers. We got the management systems up and running. Not everybody has <laughs> the good fortune of all that. So we want to talk about how do we best use management tools and how can we do it on a shoestring budget with a real small staff? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about technology as a tool in the toolbox, I think of my grandpa's garage. We were just visiting him this weekend, and he still has this this, um, workbench with all his tools up on the wall on the pegboard. And whenever I'd go over there and he would be working on a project, he would always have the the right tool. He'd have to go find it, and I would never have been able to to find it based on his directions. It's the one to the top left. (laughs) But there's a tool for everything. And that's what's so true about technology is no matter what you're managing, whether you're managing you know, the aspects of your people coming to worship, their attendance, their offerings, like you said, that financial side. can't imagine a church plant having a CPA as a pastor's wife. Like, what a blessing that is. That's such a struggle for churches is, is managing those finances. But there's always these different challenges that come up, and there's always more than one tool available. It's finding the right tool for the task. And so as we talk about management, uh, and I'm not going to turn this into a big sales pitch for what CPH3 CTS offers. Uh, Concordia Technology Solutions is there to solve problems, but we're not the be-all, end-all of it. But Mm -hmm. we have heard from our our customers, from the church workers, the kind of tools that they need. And so we've tried to develop as many of those as possible. But I'm also going to share some other tools that are outside the the church world that I think are helpful. So the church management software is the main tool that we developed. And um, Shepherd Staff was a a product we released in 1994. (laughs) It seems like so long ago now. Windows-based, that came after our our DOS-based programs. But uh, we still have thousands of churches using Shepherd Staff. And it allows you 
you to manage your people information, all of your attendance, your contributions, your finance in one spot. And it's, uh, like I said, it's PC-based, which in today's world was starting to become a problem. And so we released Church 360. Church 360 members is our, our church management side for members, uh, people in general. Mm-hmm. And so what I love about that, and, and we use that at my church, uh, and it's always fun to work with our staff because they'll come to me with the, the different questions. They won't say, well, how do I do this? They'll say, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And so a, a great example is we're talking about assimilation, getting new members in. I think especially for church plants, mm-hmm. this is key. How do you build those relationships over time? How do you move people forward without being pushy and salesy? And, and one way of doing that is through a sales funnel. We, uh, we talked about that and how it's not about upselling. It's not about you know making revenue, but it is a, a journey for people. And so in Church 360 members, we set up this, uh, we called it visitor stage. And it allowed us to, anytime somebody steps foot in our door, we add them to the database and we mark where they're at. You know, is it a first time visitor? Is it a returning visitor? Is it a friend or a family member of one of the people who are already there? And so that gives some context for our pastor or our elders to follow up and, and talk with them. And so it's managing, it's, it's a tool, but it's about getting into those in-person conversations or phone calls. So as you look at managing things in the church, there's always the people on the other end of it. And technology helps you, you know, manage the data and the information. But if we can keep in the forefront of our minds that there are people behind this data, <laughs> that this is, is not a business where the end result is revenue, it's about connecting people with Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's Amen. what goes behind all of this. So, there's a, a few other tools that I love personally. Um, so we've, we talk about, um, about technology as a tool. It's about being efficient, more than effective. We know that the effectiveness of what we do is controlled by the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God. But tools, technology tools can help us be more efficient. And I think in a church plant, this is where that unique situation comes into play. Like you said, you were very well versed on technology. Um, you, you knew what you were going into. But if there's somebody who's not as well versed in technology, who, or some of my classmates who are coming straight out of college, and, and they're still trying to figure out how to manage their day day-to-day life. Project management, task management, I think is a big thing that allows people to be efficient, stay organized, not let anything fall through the cracks. Uh, And so my favorite tool for that is a tool called Asana, and they've got a great free plan. Um, They've got a a real streamlined interface where it's nice and clean, and and you have projects, and you have tasks, and you have deadlines, and you can manage everything in one place and see what you have to do. But there's a, a ton of other ones out there. Um, there's Trello or Todoist. Um, Google Tasks is actually one that I've moved to um, because Asana was just a bit, you know, too flexible for me. I just needed something right next to my calendar. And so for my personal tasks, that's on Google Tasks. And all of those have free plans. Another thing that I've really gotten excited about is just general data management. And so my favorite tool in school is a tool called Notion. 
and it basically allows you to build kind of your own wiki or intranet. <laughs> um, so I keep all my class notes in there. I keep, uh, I've been doing a, a gospel harmonization project where I, I'm just personally pulling them all together. And I was able to do that through Notion. Uh, I can upload files. And so I think for a, a church, whether this is a church plant or otherwise, but we're talking about church plants today, as you're looking to organize information, whether it's prayer requests or events that are coming up, having a central location to keep all of those in there that's flexible enough to meet the individual's technology needs. You don't want anything that's too complex and and having to deal with any level of coding or anything like that. Just these simple tools are really good. Another one that I use is called Airtable, and that's the one I found that's kind of the sweet spot for a number of people at CPH as we're looking at managing our our marketing activities and campaigns. Asana was, was not right for most of them. I heard enough complaints about Asana that I put Airtable before them and everybody jumped on board with that. And so I think that's another aspect of finding the right tool. If you have to involve other people, and as church plants grow and have more volunteers or maybe even some paid staff, finding the right fit for everybody, not trying to force a tool that is your preference onto them, I think that's the key. And so always be on the lookout for new tools that might serve the needs better. Very good. And we did mention the financial piece is also important. You got to track that for kingdom of the left reasons, if no other reason. But what do you have for us about the financial part of management? So as we look at Church 360, um, we we named it 360 because our goal is to kind of cover the wealth of management that needs to happen. And so church finances are a key part of that. And so we built Church 360 Ledger as a tool that any layperson can use um, because most people don't have a CPA on their staff or on it as a volunteer. And so we go with a cash basis, a kind of accounting where it's essentially like managing your own checkbook uh, where you can set aside the funds. So if somebody's giving to a specific mission in the church, a specific effort, you can keep that pulled out, still in the same bank account, but separate so that you make sure that it goes for the right purpose. And so we implemented that at my church when we couldn't get a volunteer with a financial background. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And that's worked out very well for us because it allows us to know ex- exactly what we have. And we, we designed the interface to be kind of like writing a check. Most people don't write checks anymore, but it's a familiar thing to many volunteers. And so we try to keep it as as simple as possible. Now, there's other tools out there. QuickBooks is a fantastic tool. And, and mm-hmm. uh, if you've got an accountant, that's the best way to go because they know probably know how to do it through their professional career. Um, they can customize it to their needs. But if you're looking for something simple, that's why we built Church 360 Ledger. All right. And I, I would add to that that, um, you know, I went from, uh, you know, a fairly large congregation to some uh, other ministries and, and now serving a church in the city, which is really not, it's not terribly big or a terribly big budget. But I've been amazed at how um, the finances are just as complex as someplace else. Yeah. Because you have to deal with, if you have an employee, you have to deal with the government and you file all those reports yeah. and all the laws. And then then all this, you know, with the, the PPP loans, you know, I, so we have someone who's very, very competent at, at our congregation at those things. But that has been one of the biggest surprises for me, you know, uh, being in that context is good grief. I mean, this is just, I mean, it, this could be a multi-million dollar 
uh, operation and the complexity would not be that much greater. Yeah. Because for those reasons that I mentioned. Absolutely. And I think as, as somebody who's entering into a church plant, they're excited about getting the gospel out. <laughs> but it's in some ways, you are running a mini business that is just as complex as any other business because of the world that we live in. You know, first, first article issues of, yes. of managing the gifts that God has given you and having the right tool for that if you don't have the right volunteer is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. And yeah, most church planners are kind of entrepreneurial types and they're the dreamers and the visionaries and they need a good group of people around them to do the, the those menial tasks to them that drive them crazy. But it has to be done. It's important work and having the right tools in place definitely yeah, helps and, with that. And I mentioned to Steve that be, uh, earlier in an earlier conversation that uh, you were kind enough to come to our congregation <laughs> and explain uh, the uh, church uh, 360. And we were looking at other products and that in the end, one of the reasons we chose it was because it was web-based because we were looking for web-based, but also it was simple to use. And, you know, I think for a church plant also, they're going to be looking for something fairly simple, especially depending on the skill level of their members. This was new to our congregation. And so we were looking at other products that offered a lot more features, but in the end we saw, you know, yeah. You know, this this was a good product for us because it doesn't do everything, but it does what we need. Right. That And again, the right tool for the job. And one of the things we also focus on is our support. I'm sure your your group has called in to talk to our team. We're, we're local. We Just to get logged on. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. I got pulled aside <laughs> at church by one of our um, offering counters just the other week saying, okay, how do I log on again? And showed her where the shortcut was. But we, we do put a priority on making it simple because so many people are relying on volunteers. And by our support team, we have given a, a, an avenue for people to continue on even as volunteers change. There's always somebody you can ask with that question of, how do I do this? That's a, a key part of it for us. Because in the church, people come and go all the time, and, and their time gets limited, and so you're getting new volunteers. And so training on the tool, keeping things simple is, a, is important for us. That's a, a priority that we make on our different software. You know, I just want to make one more comment. Uh, I used to say that if you don't have a database, you're not serious about evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, in a church plant, I think that's so important. You have to, unless you have a memory beyond any of us, any yeah. mortal person, you can lose track of people. And and having a solid database is I, I very, very key. At first, I had a spreadsheet, you know, and then got up to databases, you know, however you want to do it. And then you can manage them. You It's that... Uh, uh, you call it a sales funnel, but you know, mm-hmm. or constituent management, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that allows you to maintain and just keep in contact with people. And so, then another cool feature of the uh, Church 360 is um, the fee is based on members. That's right. So, <laughs> so our congregation has two thousand people in its database now. That's awesome. And we're getting charged for. Just the members. Just the members, yeah. Yeah, we didn't want to penalize anybody by charging for keeping track of visitors or any prospects. Uh, we have to, you know, we have to charge for it. That's one of those things. That not everything is free, although we do have a, a very limited free plan for church plants that are getting started. Um, cool. We'd be happy to share you with you. heard that. that first. That's right. Yeah, I did not <laughs> yes. know that. <laughs> yes, it's it's just for tracking contacts. So none of the other, the bells and whistles that we have there, but just to get them started. Um, but we, we do 
it based on members because we want to encourage tracking visitors and, and tracking people that you may have only met once and may not see again until they come back and then you have that information. So you're not paying for things you're not using. And you can keep mailing, emailing them mm -hmm. stuff, you know, which should normally look good and all those sorts of things. So it's a great, it's a great tool. Yeah, absolutely. Whether from CPH or somewhere else is just really, really essential. I, I agree. Like you said, not all of our, our products are the right tool for everybody. Uh, there's a lot of great options out there. But we, we try to provide the best one as, as possible for our churches. Yeah, and you you know your subject matter because you know LCMS congregations and their church points. So yeah. that's that's a good thing. And actually, our, our developers are actually called workers um, who are LCMS pastors. Yeah. They uh, went through the seminary, and and we found out they had skills to serve the church in a different <laughs> way. And so we've had three or four now uh, pastors who have served on our development team, which is it is just a unique call within our church body. Yeah, and I think that kind of ties into what we were talking about. Yes, we're talking about having all of your data in a central location, and a lot of this does seem like kingdom of the left. But what Mark and you were both kind of getting at is that this is really about having information. Yeah. It's about knowing your flock. It's about knowing those outside the flock that need to hear about Jesus and be brought into the life of the church. It's about uh, knowing each other and and how you can do ministry better. So it is certainly a kingdom of the right thing and also just to be able to have tools to collaborate and to work better and to do more together as a team than as individuals. So it's it's not all just the boring kingdom of the left. This really is important, as Mark was pointing out, for how do we best know our flock? How do we know those outside of the flock? How do we uh, improve our ministry by using technology? So it's a, it's a good thing to, to have those tools. And how do you communicate with them, too? I think yes. yeah. that's one of the things that, uh, as you think about technology, most people think about social media and, and communication. And when technology, while it certainly is a tool, I love using that analogy, I also like to think of technology as a language that people speak. And and that's where I think, especially for church planters, is you come into a unique situation and you wonder what is the proper level of technology. It really is based on knowing your flock and, and knowing who you are sent to care for and what is appropriate for them. How can you best reach out to them with the gospel? And so we, we've talked about social media before, but there's even even other tools um, that I think is important for any church planner to kind of dig into and understand what's necessary for them. Um, so in terms of like direct communication, there's some apps out there that, that make me uncomfortable because it's not my way of, of communicating. <laughs> um, but one of my friends who's a, a pastor up in, in northern Illinois, he he's works with youth ministry and he used Snapchat <laughs> as the best way to connect with the youth. Uh, in his congregation. And, and there's all sorts of red flags with something like Snapchat. <laughs> um, but using it as a way to connect with people, and he got the parents' permission and everything to uh, you know, make sure the kids know that if their parents ever ask about communication, mm -hmm. I'm an open book. I, sure. I'll share this. Good. <laughs> but it's a language that people speak now, and he wasn't going to be able to communicate with them with you know, email or certainly not even Facebook. That's for the old people now. Yeah, that's what my but, kids tell me. Yep. <laughs> he found a way to use technology as you know, 
uh, the language that the people in his care spoke. And mm -hmm. so I think that's a key thing with communication is to look beyond the front door of your website, beyond the social media of connecting with the people who are already there. And finding technology is the, the language that the people in your community speak on a day-to-day -day basis and becoming comfortable with that because that is their expectation of how they expect you to reach out and connect with them. All right. So... You've got direct communication. What about when you're trying to communicate to the masses, though? <laughs> that goes to the email that we were talking about <laughs> just a few minutes ago. There are... Um email is still a very good way to reach out. And just like your website is the place where you can kind of control how it looks, how it feels, the message, no distractions there, email is the other way that you can push things out to people. So your website is when people are coming to you, but email is a great way to send your message to other people. Now, there's all sorts of laws out there, can spam uh, regulations that I encourage people to look into because that's, you know, that's the kingdom of the left stuff that we don't talk about enough. Mm -hmm. But they're all meant to protect people from having, you know, getting spammed um, by messages that they don't want to see or shouldn't see. Mm -hmm. And so these from Nigerian are, princes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But by following those, you're, you're saying, I, I understand this language. I'm, I'm following these grammar rules. I'm giving you the chance to opt out to say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of good hearing from you. But then it opens up that door for the people who do want to hear you to have that dedicated time where you can push things out to them that are, are important to them. And so, you know, we've used, we talked about MailChimp before. That's one of my favorite tools to use. Uh, there's other tools out there. We use a, a, a tool called HubSpot at CPH because it allows for the connection with our, our database. Uh, it's meant for companies, uh, but they have some free plans as well that I know some other churches have taken advantage of. And you can tie in automation where um, if you put a form on your website, I think especially for schools, uh, you, if they fill out a form saying, I want to learn more about your preschool, you know, that's a great way to get people involved. They get added to your email list and you can send them very targeted messages and have a really good presence. Uh, we've built in some internal communication tools to our Church 360 product called Church 360 Unite, where it is, um, it's part of your website, but your members can log in and you can create individual groups. So let's say you have a, a small group Bible study that you're starting up and you have conversation there, you have files to download. You don't want that on the public facing site. You can allow your members to log in and interact in that way. They can post messages to each other in the context of your church website, not on a social media platform. There's no ads or anything. You don't have to worry uh, about anybody else invading that conversation. And so then as an administrator, you can share messages with them within that context. And so it's a little bit different than email, but it's a dedicated space. So that's mm -hmm. another way that we, we look at trying to use technology as a communication device and, and maybe a slightly unconventional or unexpected way. And all of the things we've talked about, whether it's your website, your social media presence, your email, you want to have a good looking you know, you want to make it look professional so it makes people feel comfortable. What what do you suggest for those design tools then? <laughs> My favorite tool, and, and we've got some blog posts where our um, some of our, our partners in ministry talk about it, is a tool called Canva. Uh, Canva's got a, a great pre-plan. I use that. Uh, in fact, I'm using it right now as I prepare for Bible study on Sunday as I'm putting my slides together. Um, they've It's a, a tool where they, they've got some paid aspects of it if you want to go – 
farther in. But it's kind of like an, an Adobe Photoshop, but for novice users, <laughs> where you just log in, you start drag and drop in. They give you some templates for font combinations and colors. Um, you can go and create a design in seconds. And um, it just makes it so easy. And so the, the days of you know Microsoft Paint or publisher of putting together you know a flyer or anything, those are over with Canva because you can just log in and see some really great templates, drag and drop your information in there. Uh, and then you can put in emails, your website, your print pieces, anything. You can get that out of there. So I think uh, if you are just starting out and you have no idea about a design tool, jumping into Canva, you'll probably have all sorts of fun. And, and that's where you have to be careful not to spend too much time because they've got so much great stuff yeah, in there. That's a good point. I, I was thinking that too. I, mean, I was going to mention um, that uh, most people probably don't realize Canva probably is a great tool, but just getting some graphic looks from uh, a professional artist oh, really aren't that expensive. Maybe a few hundred dollars. Um, our congregation recently started a, an early childhood center, and, and we did that. We wanted it based on the church's logo, and so they created something for the early childhood center based on that with the colors and the fonts and all those sorts of things. I don't remember the amount, but I know it wasn't very expensive. And so church plants might consider that. You know, yeah. if, if people don't have an eye, I, if they don't have an eye for... Uh, for art <laughs> you know maybe cam i don't canva would solve that problem for them it might but if not you know it's it can be an option probably not custom designs uh that would be after you get that design bring it into canva and then put it in there but there's some great designers out there and i know when seth was on here we talked about you talked about lutheran communicators it's great to see churches go in and post i need some help with my logo and people jump in and say here's what i can do and uh, that way you get somebody who understands your mission and has that eye for design and yeah. probably won't charge you too much either like you said very good and as we're talking about all of these things that a church planner is responsible especially if you got this young pastor that's you know going out there and starting a new entrepreneurial this is basically a venture and so you have all the kingdom of the left things you have to worry about with getting your tax IDs and finding your locations and you got mercy teams that are working in the community. You've got evangelism where you're going out knocking on doors. You've got all these different uh, things that you're, you're working with your core group to do, but you don't want to, as you said, spend too much time away from the ministry side of this. And it does require, you know, good, solid pastoral care for your flock and for those outside your flock. So, but, you know, it's always nice to have technologies that help you, even with the pastoral side of things. Yes. So tell us what you would suggest for the technologies there. Well, um, as you look at that, um, this is where we come back to that idea of efficiency. And, it, and there's some great tools out there. The first one I'll talk about is not one that it comes from CPH, but that we partner with is a tool called Logos. And the seminary has been really good at, at training students on how to use this and giving them access to different resources. What I've found is people who graduated even within the last 10 years didn't have that same kind of experience. Experience, and many don't know that it's out there, but it is a complete database of you know, Bible commentaries and all sorts of theological books, and it's all indexed so that you can search easily. They've built in tools for sermon building and, and tracking that. Um, you can build workflows. We had one in, in our homiletics class that a, a student a couple years ago put together this automated workflow, and it walks you through Dr. Schmidt's process for writing a sermon, and you know, type in the Bible verse, and it pulls it all together. And so when you think about an efficiency, 
side of things, not having to go in and pull all your commentaries off the shelf and dig for it, but just click a button and then it's right there. Uh, it's fantastic. We we use this a lot in our exegetical classes for the, the Greek and Hebrew and being able to translate quickly and, and find all of those cross links. Um, so if you aren't familiar with Logos, I highly encourage you to, to take a look at that. Um, now, you do have to pay for the content. Publishers like us will <laughs> expect that as well, but um, you know it's very reasonably priced and they've got a lot of different packages. One of the ones that we do make that really hits on this efficiency side of things is Lutheran Service Builder. So when Lutheran Service Book was released in 2006, uh, leading up to that, there was a seminarian who had a project for planning a service. And he's like, you know, this is, he was a programmer in college. He's like, this is just data. He's like, how, how can I make this more efficient? And so he put together this prototype of a bulletin building software. And he presented it here at the International Center and at the CPH and some other partners. And so we were able to release Lutheran Service Builder right around the same time as the hymnal came out with all the content in the hymnal, all of the different orders of services, the hymns, and his, his pitch, which is still true today, within five minutes, you can put together an excellent bulletin and print it out. And it's expanded to include PowerPoint presentations, and we even have audio playlists where if you don't have an organist, uh, but you want to use the hymns from the service book, you can export MP3s of your entire order of service to play. And they're high quality MP3s as well, um, played by, um, I, I forget who all was on there, but it was recorded at the Fort Wayne Seminary Chapel, so the acoustics were fantastic. But we continue to develop those tools because they make it so easy. I, I, I did a, an internship at a, as an, a pastoral care intern at the Lutheran Home in Arlington Heights. And for a couple weeks, I got to be essentially a church secretary because they needed somebody to do the bulletins for their chapel services. And I spent hours manipulating Word to get everything just right and to print out in the right pages. And then we found Lutheran Service Builder, and it does it like that. Mm-hmm. It's so great. So it is is absolutely within the context of pastoral care, but it allows you to be super efficient in in ways that will free up your time to go and spend face-to-face with people when you're not dealing with desktop publishing aspects of that. (laughs) It it also takes care of the copyright side of things too for you, which uh, can also be a nightmare. I've had, since COVID uh, hit, I've answered more questions about copyrights than I ever thought possible. (laughs) And Lutheran Service Builder handles all of that for you too. Fair enough. And I know for me, I, I found all of this invaluable as a church planner. I did tons of chaplaincy work in jails, nursing homes, uh, men's shelters, I mean, you name it. And to have that pastoral care app at my side to reach out to people and, and no matter what happened, whatever the tragedy was, whatever the celebration was, to, to have that at my hand, to sing a hymn with the family or go through a, a rite, you know, it was just, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, same thing with I was in the Bible Belt, and so there were a lot of people who had literally never handled a, you know, we're, we're just used to having our Lutheran service book. <laughs> you know, we're used to, like, knowing where to flip pages around. And mm-hmm. uh, as a church plant, it was just invaluable to have that Lutheran service builder. It was so user-friendly for people. Um, you went page one to page two to page three. <laughs> Everything was right there at your hand. We had a nice printer that was donated to us from the local Y. So, I mean, <laughs> we were good to go. I mean, it was it was awesome. But I mean, again, thinking about being able to do that kind of outreach to really care for your 
uh, members in that way and then to also have kind of a very user-friendly way for people that are new to Lutheran worship. Um, those are the tools that, you know, again, on the pastoral side can be absolutely invaluable. And it's been great to have this conversation too because, you know, I think we don't always see technology as neutral. Right. You know, we kind of have it in our mind that it's either something that's good or it's something that's excellent and, you know, almost to the point of being an idol, but it really is neutral, and it's, it is for us to use for the gospel. And so that's what I think has been wonderful about this conversation is you've given us very practical tips on how you can best do ministry, how you can build a core group, how you can do your outreach and evangelism and get all your da- data together that you need so you have solid information. But at the end of the day, it was really a conversation about how can we best reach the lost. That's right. How do, how do we reach the least and the lost? How do we best care for our flock? You know, because that's that's what we're called to do in church planting is to do what Christ has commanded us to go and to make disciples. So at the end of the day, all these things are wonderful, um, not good or bad. They're just God-given first article gifts for us to use for his kingdom. So Peter, any last-minute thoughts about technology for us? I think um, one of the things that has been so fun for me in being involved in technology is hearing how people use them for those practical purposes of reaching the gospel. And, you know, that's part of why I'm at the seminary right now. I got (laughs) so excited hearing about these things. I want to go and do it myself. So, yeah, like you said, it's a a neutral thing. It's a tool that God has given us. Um, But it can be exciting to see, you know, when you free up your time, when you're more efficient to go and, and spend time with people. So I I hope others get excited about technology like I do, uh, like you guys do as well, um, because it's not about the tools itself. It's about what you're accomplishing with them. Like you said, the Holy Spirit working through you to share the gospel. Amen. This whole thing is about church planting, and this is about tools for the harvest. And you've given us some (laughs) good things uh, for us to consider when it's to a ripe harvest and we're ready to go out. So thank you so much, uh, Peter, for giving us the the equipment that we need to harvest those fields. Thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark, for being with us again today. I'm glad to be here, and it's a special joy to uh, speak with Peter, especially your your excitement for the gospel. That's... uh, it's always wonderful to hear. I, too. I love it when IT people and business people then ah, go into the seminary because that <laughs> sounds very familiar. So God bless Peter and his studies and actually getting out in the field. And we look forward to that. And thanks to all of our listeners uh, that joined us again for the LCMS Mission Field USA podcast. Be sure to tune in and tell your friends. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash churchplanting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.